I'm very convinced that God has brought you there this morning because he wants to do something unique and something special in your life. If you believe it, you say amen. amen. This morning we're going to read a text. I want, I'd like us to stand on our feet uh, in honor of God's word as we read the scriptures this morning. We're going to read Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 35. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 35. Can we stand on our feet for the reading of God's word? Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 35. Luke chapter 1. The Bible says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, verse 27, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary, greatly, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, his kingdom will never end. Verse 34. How would this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Father, we give you praise this morning. We thank you for all that you're about to do. We honor you because the entrance of your word brings light and it gives understanding to the simple. Bless us this morning, Lord, as we hear your word. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Oh, you just forgot what we did last week. I say you may be seated, you sat down quietly. <laughs> you forgot. Let's, let's do it again. Stand up on your feet and, and do it like you're, you're serious. When I say you may be seated, you say above principalities and powers. You are sitting down with authority. You are sitting down with favor. You may be seated. Amen. You're, you're saying it like you're not even sure about what you're saying. <laughs> Be seated. <laughs> Amen. Amen. This morning, uh, I want to talk to you about, on the topic, preparing for Christmas. Preparing for Christmas. At the end of this message, you're going to understand what you are actually preparing for and how to prepare to celebrate Christmas. There's a lot, there are a lot of traditions that Christians have involved themselves in which are actually pagan traditions. Number one, if I begin to go into the history of the traditions that we practice in church today, you'll be so shocked. Most of the things that we do, even in church, that have been incorporated in the Christian celebrations and practices came from demonic practices. Like the Easter bunny has nothing to do with the Bible. It is a demonic practice. Halloween is a witchcraft festival. So anybody celebrating Halloween should go and study the history of Halloween and know where it came from. I'm not going to go into the depths of that, but I'm going to give you information about that in the days ahead. But this morning, I want to focus on Christmas. And I'd like you to give me your attention because I'm going to give you a lot of information this morning. And I hope that you are not overwhelmed with everything you're about to hear this morning. Many people celebrate Christmas and some celebrate Xmas. You know the difference? When you take Christ from the Christmas 
and cancel Christ, it becomes what? Xmas. And Xmas simply means this celebration has nothing to do with Jesus. That is why people go to nightclubs on Christmas Day. They're actually celebrating the birth of Christ in a nightclub. Some people get pregnant on Christmas Day. Some people rape others on Christmas Day. These are people celebrating Xmas and not Christmas because Christ is completely taken out of the Christmas. There some people do not celebrate Christmas at all, like the Jehovah's Witnesses. They deny that Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. And that is very true because Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. If you read the Bible, the Bible clearly says that Jesus was born six months after his cousin, John the Baptist. From the scripture that we read, when Mary was pregnant, when Mary became pregnant, Elizabeth was already six months pregnant. Meaning that John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. And when you study the time when John the Baptist was born, John the Baptist was born sometime in February and March. So if you add six months to that, the birth of Jesus Christ falls somewhere around September or October. It doesn't fall in December. But I'm going to bring you information about how we started, people started celebrating Christmas on the 25th of December. So that is why the Jehovah's Witnesses do not celebrate Christmas at all. Because they believe that Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. And I give him a right for that because you, you are not forced to celebrate it. Because it's nowhere written in the Bible that we should even celebrate the birth of Jesus. The second reason why they do not celebrate the Christmas or any birthday at all. Jehovah's Witnesses do not celebrate any birthday because they believe that in the Bible, when John the Baptist was arrested by Herod, now Herod's daughter, who was called Herodias, was dancing. And Herod was very happy with her performance and said, I'm going to give you anything that you ask, even to the heart of my kingdom. And Herodias came to to Herod and said, I want the head of John the Baptist. And because he made an oath to this girl, he actually went and cut the head of John the Baptist and gave it to her daughter. That is why they say, if birthdays causes people to lose their heads, we do not celebrate birthdays. So even including the birth of Jesus, they do not celebrate. And then others do not celebrate Christmas because they say it is a pagan practice. It has nothing to do with the Bible. I also give me a right for that because Christmas is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. There is no scripture that commands us to celebrate the birth of Christ. But I'm going to come down to how we got to the point of celebrating Christmas. I'm going to give you a little bit of history about Christmas. But one thing I want to say is this. In this season, as we celebrate Christmas, we are a prophetic people. What does it mean to be a prophetic people? It means that we do not operate by traditions and customs. We try to see what is God doing in this season. What is the mind of God for this season? What is God's intention for December? God's intention is not just to have candles, which is good, and have lights, and have Christmas trees, and have gifts exchanged. God is doing something much more than just Christmas lights, than just dressing up our kids and expecting them to wait for Santa Claus. God is doing something far more much than that. So we as a prophetic people have to discern in the spirit to make sure that we, don't, we do not miss exactly what God is about to do in this month of December. How do we get to the point where we as a church started celebrating Christmas? Now, let me bring you history now. When you read the Bible, the, the, in the days of Noah, 
After God destroyed the flood, Noah had three kids, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem and Japheth were the ones who were blessed because the Bible says one day Noah was drunk and he lay down naked in his house. And then the last son, the, the boy who was called Ham, went into the house and saw the father sleeping and exposed. Instead of looking for something to cover his father, he went out and laughed and said, my brothers, come and see the way this old man has exposed himself. And the brothers took a cloth, went in backward, and covered themselves. And when Noah got up from his drunkenness, he cursed Ham. Then Ham gave birth to Cush. Cush was a rebel. He was a terrorist. He conquered people. He had a lot of control. Then Cush also gave birth to a child who was called Nimrod. Nimrod is the father of all terrorists in the world. He's the one that started terrorist movements, Nimrod. And Nimrod conquered a lot of nations. He conquered a lot of people. So, Nimrod proclaimed himself as God. He said he was man, and he was God all over all the nations. And Nimrod was actually worshipped. So, Cush, I mean, uh, Shem, who was the brother, or the uncle of Nimrod, actually connived with some people, and they killed Nimrod. And when they killed Nimrod, the mother of Nimrod, I mean the mother of Cush, let, let, me, let, me, give, let me get a serious story. So when Nimrod died, the mother actually said that Nimrod did not die. That Nimrod is going to come back again because she got pregnant and gave birth to another son called Tammuz. When she gave birth to Tammuz, she said that it was Nimrod that came back to life. And the birth of Tammuz was on the 25th of December. That is how they started celebrating the real birth of Nimrod, the terrorist that came back to life. So this tradition of celebrating the birth of Nimrod, the real birth of Nimrod, grew in all the nations because since Nimrod was the, the power that was conquering all over the world, they had to celebrate his birth in all over the territories where he was governing. That is how 25th of December became the birthday of the real birth of Nimrod in the, in the, in the form of his son called Tammuz. So this tradition continued. When the Roman uh, Empire became uh, reigning, they took power, they also continued celebrating the birthday of Tammuz on the 25th of December. Sometimes around the 280, that's 200 years after the birth of Christ, a, an emperor called Constantine actually made uh, Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. Meaning that anywhere that the Romans were governing, they made Christianity to be their official religion. Constantine now took the pagan practice of the celebration of Nimrod, who was rebirth as Tammuz, and integrated it into the Roman Catholic Church. So instead of celebrating the birth of Tammuz, they now say we're celebrating the birth of Christ. If somebody see where the, where the practice came from, that is where the 25th of December was in, incorporated in the Christian doctrine to celebrate the birth of Christ on the 25th of December. So Constantine said instead of celebrating Tammuz, we are, we are going to celebrate the birth of our son, Jesus Christ, the birth of the son of Mary on the 25th of December. Because it was a very famous holiday, and Christians did not know exactly how to escape the celebration of this holiday. So they had to look for something to fit in the place of that celebration. So they moved the celebration of Christ's birthday from whatever day that it was supposed to be to the 25th of December. Now you must understand that before Christ was being celebrated on the 25th of December, like I said, many other nations were celebrating the rebirth of Tammuz. So to other religions, when Christians celebrate uh, Christ, uh, Christmas, 
They do not see Christ. They see the same celebration of Tammuz that is in continuation. Because it's the same day, it's the same practice, it's the same everything. So the only thing that changed is that if the name of Tammuz was removed and the name of Christ was rebirth. Now you must understand, when the mother of Nimrod gave birth to, 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 to Tammuz, what is an abomination is this. When Kush died, the mother of Nimrod actually married Nimrod. Can you imagine that the mother got married to her son and gave birth to Tammuz? So it was Nimrod's mother and him that actually gave birth to Tammuz. So the mother of Nimrod is known as the mother god, which some others call the god of the moon. And then Nimrod himself is called the father god, which is god of the sun. Then Tammuz, which is the sun, is called the sun god. This is why some people don't also believe in Trinity because it represents the same thing, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To them, it is Father God, Mother God, and the Son God. This is where all this came from. Now, to those of you who have pictures of Mary carrying Jesus, that picture that is used to represent Mary and Jesus is actually the picture of the mother of Nimrod and Tammuz. That picture of the mother carrying the baby, it is a picture from the ancient times that is used by the Roman Catholic Church to say this is Mary and Jesus, which is actually Samira means the mother of Tammuz and, 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 and the son. That is where that picture came from. So, to go further to explain to you where this all happened again, bringing down to the celebration of Christmas. Let me go down to the Christmas tree. Where did the Christmas tree actually come from again? Now, when Nimrod died, when he died, the place where he was killed, there's a tree that grew up in that place, the evergreen tree, the very tree that we used today to put in our houses for Christmas. So the people said, if the tree grew in this place, it means the spirit of Nimrod is still alive. So in celebration of the rebirth and the presence of Nimrod with them, they will put those trees in their houses, they will put those trees in their public places in order to signify the rebirth and the presence of the spirit of Nimrod. So now you understand when you put it, something you ask called Christmas tree, where is it in the Bible? How does that relate to the scriptures? That was how the Christmas tree came to existence. Am I giving somebody some information this morning? Amen. <laughs> somebody hear me say, say amen. amen. If you're hearing what I'm saying, say amen. amen. Now, I told you this information may be overwhelming, but I'm telling you the truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, I am not saying I go and destroy your Christmas tree. My, my responsibility to give you the information. What you do with the information is your business. If you feel like, well, what the pastor said this morning, I don't really care. I, I don't mind my Christmas tree. Well, it's between you and God, but I need to give you the origin of where Christmas tree came from. So the people put those trees in public places as a symbol of Nimrod's presence. That even though Nimrod was killed, his spirit is still alive because by his blood, this tree germinated. That is where the Christmas tree came from. Let me go further again. Where does Santa Claus come from? <laughs> Great, you act like you know. <laughs> now, in, 18, in 1822, a New York professor of Greek philosophy was called Clement Clark Moore. He wrote a poem that was titled 12 Days Before Christmas, which is now known as The Night Before Christmas. In this poem, he projected a man, a bishop of the fourth century, that was called Bishop Nicholas. Bishop Nicholas was the only son of his parents, and his parents died. When his parents died, he inherited everything that his parents had. 
And Bishop Nicholas was very kind. The story said that Bishop Nicholas was so rich that he would surprise families and children with gifts in the night. So Bishop Nicholas would come in the night and then drop gifts in the house of kids. Drop gifts by surprise. Because he was very rich and he did not want to, people to notice him when he gave out gifts. So he gave them in secret. So in 1822, this man who was called Clement Clark of New York, a teacher of Greek philosophy, decided to write a poem about Christmas. In this poem, he wrote about Nicholas, St. Nicholas, who is now called as Santa Claus. He wrote about St. Nicholas and said, he will come in the night and bring gifts. Now before Clement even wrote about St. Nicholas, the people of old had integrated St. Nicholas with a certain uh, pagan god who flew in the skies with a horse that had eight legs. They said St. Nicholas was now a god that flew in the sky and had eight legs. But when uh, this Greek philosopher, this Greek teacher in New York was writing about St. Nicholas, he actually painted St. Nicholas to wear a red suit. He gave him a beard and gave him a pipe in his mouth and then put him on a horse that flew in the skies with eight reindeers. And each of those reindeers were carrying a bunch of gifts for the children. Then he said, Santa Claus comes in the night and drops down gifts through the chimney and fill them in the socks of the children. That is where the history of Santa Claus came from. So I ask you today as a Christian, where is Santa Claus in your Bible? And where are you commanded as Christians to observe Santa Claus or expect Santa Claus? I'm just giving you information, like I said. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just information. So that is where it came from. The people actually started believing that there is something like Santa Claus, which is actually a bishop in the 4th century who was doing generosity by giving gifts to the church. Now, from the place where we read this morning to give you understanding about what is going on, the Bible says in the days of old, there was a promise that God made in the Old Testament to send us a Messiah to redeem us from sins. But the Messiah could not come except he clothed himself with human skin. And in verse 26, the Bible says Gabriel appeared to Mary. You must understand that Gabriel in the Bible, anytime you hear the name Gabriel in the Bible, there are two angels that are prominent in the Bible, Gabriel and Michael. Michael is the angel of war, and Gabriel is the angel of good news. So anytime you hear Gabriel in the Bible, it means good news is coming. I want to tell you, I want to tell somebody this morning, instead of expecting Santa Claus in this Christmas, I want you to expect Gabriel, because he's a messenger of good news. I say, instead of expecting Santa Claus in this Christmas, expect Gabriel, who came to Mary with good news. Because anytime Gabriel shows up, he comes with something good. Anytime Gabriel shows in the family, that family is changed. Anytime Gabriel shows up in the marriage, that marriage is changed. Anytime Gabriel shows up in the home, that home is changed. I pray that this Christmas, you will not have a visit from Santa, you have a visit from Gabriel. In the name of Jesus. And the Bible says in verse 27 that Mary was a virgin and pledged to Joseph to be married. And in this, in this culture, virgins, the age that Mary is uh, depicted in this Bible is between 14 and 16. Because every time we paint the picture of Mary, we paint the picture of an old woman who is like about 35 or 30. According to Jewish customs, Mary was between the age of 12 and 16. In between any of those ages was the age of Mary. So Mary was not an old woman. She was a young girl who was engaged to be married. 
And so in verse 28, the angel said to Mary, Greetings, you are highly favored. And in this culture too, the type of greeting that you greeted somebody depended upon their rank. For example, you don't greet your father the same way you greet your brother. There are, there are distinctions in greeting. You don't greet the president the same way you greet your friend. There are distinctions in greetings. But the greetings that the angel gave to Mary in this text showed that the angel was greeting somebody who was very respectable. That is why Mary said, what manner of greeting is this? I'm a young girl. I'm not even married. I don't have a husband. I don't have anything. And yet this angel shows up to me and is greeting me in a way that is very, very respectable. That's why Mary said in verse 29, what manner of greeting is this? And the angel said, I'm greeting you because you are highly favored. If somebody walked to you this morning and said, good morning, your excellency, what would be your response? Stop that joke, please. Stop that joke. Or somebody walks to you and says, good morning, boss. What would be your response? You'd be like, please, if it's a joke, stop it. Because we do not actually believe that we merit such a greeting. But I came here to prophesy to you. Very soon, the way people greet you is going to change. Amen. You're not saying like you believe. I said that very soon, the way people greet you is going to change. Amen. So when somebody calls you today with a name that you feel you don't deserve, say amen, thank you. Amen. When they say, Your Excellency, say God bless you. When they say boss, God bless you. Like, you know, it's very common in our jobs today. People say, hey boss, hey boss, I don't reject it, I, I, I receive it. You call me boss, I say amen, I'll be your boss. Amen. Don't say, hey, stop it. I'm not your boss. Don't try to be humble when somebody is actually giving you a prophecy. If somebody comes, walks to you and says, Madam, accept it because very soon you're about to be a boss. You're about to be a wife. You're about to be a madam over people. You're about to be a boss controlling people. The way people will greet you is going to change very soon. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And the angel said, do not be afraid. You are highly favored. I'm not greeting you like this because of anything. It's just because you found favor. Listen, you are not going to prosper because you work very hard. You are not going to make it because you struggle very hard. You are not going to make it because you are very wise. When God's favor comes upon your life, it changes everything about your life. Amen. God's favor can give you in a day what others work for one year. Amen. I and my wife, we, we, we used to watch this show called Undercover Boss. Very interesting show because I like the ending. This lady, this man who has been struggling to pay his house, he, can, he cannot pay off his house. He's renting. And after the show, the undercover boss decided to buy him a brand new house, paid for in cash. This is what I call favor. People take 15, 30 years to pay off a house loan. But in a day, somebody signed a check that gave him a house. This is what I call favor. You are not going to succeed in this land because you work two jobs and do all the overtime. You will succeed because of God's favor over your life. Amen. Can somebody say amen? amen? Your amen is too weak like you are sick this morning. I say, you are not going to succeed because you are powerful. You are not going to succeed because you give eight hours of work every day. You are going to succeed because you are highly favored. Amen. Hallelujah. You are highly favored. Amen. That is the reason why we prosper. It is God's favor that makes a difference. And the angel says you will conceive and bear a son. And his name shall be Jesus. Now, Mary was not the mother of Jesus because he was a virgin. Mary was not the mother of Jesus because she was a virgin. That's not the reason. 
The reason is in the Bible. You are highly favored among all women. There were other girls in Israel who were virgins. But because of God's favor on Mary, she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. May I prophesy to somebody this morning that in your job, in your family, may the favor of the Lord locate you and distinguish you in the name of Jesus. You may be competing with 500 people. May God's favor locate you and distinguish you in the name of Jesus. You will not make it like I said because you are hardworking. You will not make it because you are beautiful. You will not make it because you have good strategies. You will make it because God's favor is over your life. Hallelujah. God's favor is over your life. When you read the Bible, you remember the story of Esther. The queen disappointed the husband, the, the husband, the king. And the king decided to remarry. And the king organized a beauty contest and said, bring all the beautiful women in this land for me to choose my wife. Other people went for cosmetics. They spent their time doing manicure, pedicure, and all these things, buying Brazilian hair and all these decorations. A lady called, a lady called Esther decided to stay in the presence of the Lord because she knew where breakthrough comes from. She knew where favor comes from. She knew where miracles come from. And she was fasting and she was praying. And while others stepped into the room with all their pedicure, everything on point, their hair on point, their makeup on point, their Mary on point, when Esther stepped into the room, the Bible said the competition was over. It is God's favor that causes you to be blessed, not hardworking. There are people in this land that do four jobs. They have nothing in their bank account. They do all the overtime, but nothing to show for. It is God's favor over your life that makes you blessed, not your effort. It is God's favor that makes you prosper, not your strategy. It is God's favor that makes you increase, not your savings. So I'd like you in this season of Christmas, depend on God's favor. I say depend on God's favor. Hallelujah. Depend on God's favor. And the angel said in verse 32, he said, He will be great. And called the son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. Now it is funny because when people celebrate Christmas these days. They do not see Jesus. They see a baby who is in a manger. A little baby. I even go to some churches where they have Jesus in a small basket. And they are they, like being sorry for Jesus like a little baby. When we celebrate the coming of Jesus in the world. We do not see a baby. Because the Bible says, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. A child was born, but it was a son that was given. We do not need the child. What we need is the son of God. That's what the angel said to Mary. This child that you are going to have is going to be the son of the Most High. He will reign over the throne of his father David. Meaning that when we celebrate Christmas, we are not celebrating the birth of a child. We are not doing baby shower. We are celebrating the greatness of our God manifesting upon the earth. Hallelujah. That is a real understanding you should have about Christmas. We are not celebrating a child. We are celebrating a king that came on earth through the form of a man. So you shall conceive and have a child. Mary said, and how shall this be? Since I'm a virgin. And all I'm saying this morning when I gave you all these prophecies, maybe asking yourself, Pastor, I know what you're saying is true that you know, I'm not going to Make it because I'm hardworking. But no. Pastor, I don't even have a high school diploma. I don't have a college degree. 
I'm not educated in this now. I'm not as intelligent as other people. That's what Mary was saying. I know what you're saying is true that I can conceive. But see, I have never known a man. I'm a virgin. Everything around me and my family says I cannot make it. And the angel said, look, this is not going to be possible because you are a virgin or not. He said, the power of the highest shall come upon you and that shall make the difference. Listen, when the power of God is manifesting over your life, anything is possible. Amen. I say anything is possible. Amen. When the power of God is over your life, every impossibility can become possible. Any door can be opened. Any situation can be changed. I was sharing you a testimony last week of a woman who had a problem with her uterus. Her fellow tubes, everything in her reproductive system was removed in the hospital. They removed her tubes, removed her ovaries, they removed everything that would make her pregnant. And the husband said, well, we, we have to adopt. She went to the church one day, and after serious prayers, Three months after, she started feeling in the morning feverish, feeling like to vomit, to throw up. And the husband took her to the hospital, and the doctor said she's pregnant. The husband said must be joking. This woman has no womb, no fallopian tube, no ovaries, nothing. There is nothing in her that can even hold a baby. And the doctors did the, the, the ultras and everything and showed that she was pregnant. Nine months when it came to time for delivery, since she has no fallopian tube and no womb, how she put the baby out? They decided to do a C-section. When they did the C-section, they actually found the baby in a small plastic bag. Like, like a Ziploc bag. That is what the baby stayed in for nine months. When the power of God is over your life, anything is possible. Don't depend on your certificates. Don't depend on where you come from. Don't depend on connections. Don't depend on who you know. Don't depend on your intelligence. Don't depend on your hard work. Depend on the power of God. Amen. If God's power overshadow you, everything is possible. Hallelujah. If you are going to celebrate Christmas and make a difference from all these pagan nations and all the things that I've explained to you about Christmas trees, Santa Claus and all those things, like I said, I don't condemn people that do it, but I don't do it because I have knowledge and understanding about those things. If we are to celebrate Christmas, like I said, you need to understand, number one, that we are not celebrating a baby. We are celebrating God who left his throne, clothed himself with human flesh in order to deliver us from sin. We are celebrating the ultimate strategy of God to reconcile man back to himself. You must understand that in the Bible, from the time Adam sinned to the time that Jesus came, there are six dispensations. When we talk about dispensation, what does that mean? Dispensation are the strategies that God was using to reconcile man back to himself. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they operated in the first dispensation, which is called the dispensation of innocence. Adam did not know what was sin. Eve did not know what was sin. So whatever they did was right because there was nothing called sin before they fell. Everything they did was right because they did not know anything called sin. This is the first dispensation called the dispensation of innocence. And after Adam sinned, God was looking for a strategy to bring man back to himself. So now, God gave man conscience. Man became aware of his sin. God said, I'm going to give him a conscience because when you have a conscience and you do something wrong, your conscience troubles you. 
and tell you you've done something wrong, you need to reconcile and make peace. That is when Cain killed Abel. And then he felt that he did something wrong. And then he started running away. When God asked him, where is your brother? He said, am I my brother's keeper? That is a dispensation of conscience. Then God said, now, man's conscience is not working for him. I'm going to let man govern himself. Then now we come to the days of Noah, where we enter the dispensation of human government. Man began to govern himself. So man made laws for themselves. They had rules and regulations to govern themselves. That's what we get an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If you kill somebody, they kill you. If you cut somebody's hand, they cut your own hand. If you remove somebody's eye, they remove your own eye. That was the dispensation of human government. Even then, the Bible says even in the days of Noah, only Noah and his family were able to be saved when he built the ark. He preached for 120 years. People did not believe in him. Then God moved it further to another dispensation called the dispensation of the promise. In Genesis chapter 12, where he called Abraham and said, Leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. In that land I will bless you. You will prosper in that land. God knew that if I promised man something good, something in the future, maybe man would abandon his sinful ways and come back to me. Abraham walked in the ways of the Lord. He passed it down to his father, his son Isaac. Isaac passed it down to Jacob. Jacob passed it down to the 12 tribes of Israel. When they went into captivity in Egypt, they completely lost everything. They forgot about their God. God raised a man called Moses, brought them out from Egypt, and took them into a new dispensation called the dispensation of the Lord. And God said, since the promises that I gave them was not able to bring them back to me, I'm going to give, give them a law. But this law is going to guide them to do what is right and avoid what is wrong. Moses himself, when he came down from the mountain and saw the people worshipping an idol, he broke the very law that God gave to him, which was a prophetic act to show that the law was not able to save man. And then from there, we come to the dispensation that we now celebrate, the dispensation of grace. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, that in the fullness of time, God sent for the son born of a woman, to redeem us from the curse of the law. This is where Christmas celebration finds its relevance. Because it was God's way to come into the earth, to redeem us from the power of sin, to bring us out of darkness, to bring us out of all idolatry from anything that is evil. That is how God reveals himself to us to reconcile us back to himself. So if we are celebrating Christmas in this season, I don't want you to focus on trees. And Santa Claus, in Christmas light, an exchange of gifts. I want you to see Jesus, who made the sacrifice to reconcile you back to himself. And if your life is not right with God, this is the season to be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. Amen. This is the season to evaluate your life and say, if God came down for me, what am I doing for God? Am I living the life that pleases God? Am I doing the things that glorify the name of the Lord? Am I living for myself? I'm living for God. What sacrifice have I made for God if he left his throne and came on earth to save me in this Christmas season? What am I doing to save the Lord? It's funny because the people that have nothing to do with Christ are those who are most excited about Christmas. They are buying trees. They are buying lights. They don't go to church, but they decorate their whole compound. I mean, when I drive, when, I'm walk, when I go to work uh, in Vienna and I'm driving some, some, in some neighborhood, you'll, you'll be amazed by the decorations. Some people spend a fortune for Christmas. They don't go to church. 
They don't believe in Jesus. But they are so excited about Christmas tree, Christmas night, and Santa Claus. This is not the essence of Christmas. Christmas is about a God that came down to the earth to deliver man from the power of sin. That is Christmas. Christmas is not lights. Christmas is not trees. Christmas is not Santa Claus. Christmas is not gift exchange. Christmas is a time to celebrate the goodness of God revealed to mankind to bring them out of sin. What are you going to celebrate in this December? Are you planning to exchange gifts? Are you planning to buy trees and have light in your house? It's a time to think about your life. And ask yourself a question, am I living for God? The life that I live, does it glorify God? Are you still going to continue to propagate the pagan practices that I've told you this morning? What is your plan for this Christmas? What do you plan to do this Christmas? I like you to bow your heads and think. I don't know how you celebrated Christmas in the past, but this year let there be a change. Let there be a difference. We sit at a table with people who have no relationship with Jesus and we tell them Happy Christmas and they are going to hell. You tell your aunt, your father, your uncle, your brother, your sister that does not know Jesus, that has no relationship with you, we tell them Merry Christmas and they are on their way to hell. Christmas should be a time where we tell people about the love of God. It should be a time where we reconcile people back to God. When we sit at the table as a family and talk about Jesus, how will it be if you knew that after celebrating Christmas with your father, with your brothers and sisters, and then you die someday and discover that all those Christmas celebrations only ended them in hell? Because let me tell you, it doesn't matter how you celebrate Christmas. If you don't know Jesus, you are on your way to hell. This morning can be a morning to reconcile to God. It can be a season to change your perspective about Christmas. It can be a time to see God for who he is. To see the man seated on the throne and not the baby in the manger. Because the God we serve is not a baby. The God we serve is not in the manger. The God we serve is seated upon the throne. Reigning over the earth. I want somebody to talk to the Lord this morning. I don't know what you heard this morning. But you can pray this morning and say, God, help me in this season to celebrate you the way I need to celebrate you. In the name of Jesus, can we pray? Somebody talk to the Lord. Somebody talk to the Lord. Help me in this season. Help me in this season. We are praying. Help me in this season to celebrate you the way I ought to celebrate you. Help me, oh my Father, in this season to give you the praise that you deserve. To worship you in the way that you deserve. In the name of Jesus.